Should be good. All right, recording in progress. Hello, guys. Welcome to Mogs. Um, while we talk about everything, today is going to be a slightly different one. It will get a little bit personal, but we're doing this for the benefit of everyone that is involved in bodybuilding and cares about their mental health um, and has seen perhaps portrayals of great relationships with bodybuilding from people online that they follow. And perhaps, uh, you know, the worst case scenarios where bodybuilding may have played a role in a suicide or things like that. So we're getting deep today. Um, overarching questions are going to be, what is your relationship with bodybuilding like? Um, airing towards the mental health perspective side. Um, what have your previous relationships with bodybuilding been like? Um, you know, how has that evolved over time? And without extrapolating our personal experiences and desires and what makes us up too much to people that are completely, you know, perhaps completely different than us, um, I think we should offer, you know, our our humble two cents as to how people in different situations can go about handling common struggles um, within this very extreme sport because it is extreme it is not normal it is not healthy but we all just have something inside of us where it is worth us pursuing um and i think some people need to be honest with themselves about when it is worth pursuing for them when it is not worth pursuing for them when it is healthy for them or somewhat healthy for them to pursue it and, and when it is not because everyone's different so you guys have been involved with the actual sport um and perhaps the the pinnacles of actually strictly following protocols for a decade plus. Um, so I want to hear your guys' perspectives first, and then I'll come in with more of the uh, maybe less experienced um, and probably a dickhead for longer perspectives on a lot of stuff. So whichever one of you guys wants to go first, go ahead. Well, you just made me sound way older than I am. I have not been bodybuilding for 10 plus years. I don't <laughs> think Ben has either because that would Ben would be like 14 when he started. Uh, uh, I was yeah. going to say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've been doing this for an extended period of time, but I, I know we all, well, Ben, I don't know about you, but I know Jensen, um, you played sports pretty competitively swimming. Um, and I think that, I, I mean, there's a really good documentary on, netflix right now that was talking about like the battle that athletes deal with right and i think we see it across the board in all sports uh regardless it may come into bodybuilding just a bit more because um i would say bodybuilding is probably a niche sport where we're all a little bit more fucked in the head than probably other sports so uh my mental endeavors <laughs> I, I will come out openly and say like i've never had the thoughts of like potentially harming myself um, I've battled more with kind of like the, the pressures that maybe come with like timelines of social standards of where we should be at within our life at certain points where we should be, um, you know, maybe within the sport. Like when I, the first time I followed Ben, I actually was like, fuck what am i doing this guy's like eight years younger than me um and is fucking huge so <laughs> um you know it's yeah that that's where my mental challenges have come so i'll just kind of start there um i'm getting a pen just in case i think of stuff 
what I'm doing too. <laughs> because my brain does not hold on to information for very long. <laughs> um, sheesh, this is a big topic, so it's hard to even begin. Um, I think bodybuilding can help or hurt your mental health and how you view yourself, how you view others, how you cope with stuff. Um, it can serve as a coping mechanism. Definitely some people get into it and um, use it to distract themselves from things that they probably should be working on. Um, yeah, I think maybe as an overview, we can sort of discuss that and um, how it can be used positively or negatively. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it's not something bad to put your actions and time into. It, it can help you. I mean, ultimately you're building muscle, making yourself stronger developing better eating habits. Um, it forces you to develop better time management. So, you know, there's lots of positives with it, but then along with that, you know, it's a very uh, extreme sport and it can, you know, become very hard for you to mentally deal with everything that you have to deal with to be a good bodybuilder. So yeah, it can either build you up or break you down or a little bit of both. So yeah, um, Jensen. We'll go back to you. How has it helped your life, hurt your life? Um, sort of that. We can start with that with everybody and, and how it's what kind of impact it's it's created on each of our lives individually to start. Yeah. So with where my relationship is at with bodybuilding right now, it's definitely in a tremendously more uh, helpful place than it used to be. Uh, I don't remember which one of you said it, but I think it's been distractions are a big thing. I used bodybuilding as a distraction to not focus on a lot of things that I should have been working on earlier in my life. Um, but I also didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I enjoyed bodybuilding. So I naturally let myself fall into the thing that was feeding what some would call my, my generative drive, meaning the things that I do truly um, want to do. And that will of course change over time. Um, Johnny mentioned something about you know, how you saw Ben and you're just like, wow, he's so much younger and he's huge. Um, and that's that's one thing that uh, kind of inspires me continually to coach is I see people that are younger. They come to me to coach them and such or just ask for free advice or listen to mogs and why I do all these things. I want to help them carve a healthier path um, for bodybuilding or, you know, just fitness or health earlier on um, than I did, because yes, there's absolutely an aspect of needing to experience things in order to fully understand them. However, there's plenty of things that you can avoid that are potentially excessively risky for you to hands-on experience with that. If you, you know, pay for a, you know, if you haven't have a best friend or you, you pay for a coach that has actually done these things and they've also consulted with a lot of other um, high caliber individuals who perhaps have done things a different way, or perhaps they do things a similar way, because there's a lot of common things in bodybuilding, they're going to be able to give you perspectives um, that are very, very valuable, potentially even more valuable than what you would have learned from fucking around and then really finding out with, with certain things. Um, so that that's a big reason for why I am currently in love with coaching. Um, and bodybuilding as a method 
to coach as, as a method to improve lives. But my relationship with bodybuilding itself, my drive to become a freak is still absolutely there. But I've just picked up on the fact that I seem to get more out of, and I think this is a good thing, I get more out of the journey of bodybuilding and all that goes into it rather than being super, super obsessed with the end destination. And through that, it has encouraged me to do um, less things that are harmful for my health and would to some degree shortcut that end result. Because when I get to, maybe, I don't know, the biggest I want to be and such, I want to, A, be able to maintain that for a while and actually, you know, compete through that, not just have this quick, like, flash in the, the pan career experience with bodybuilding. Um, and I want to have taken notes of how I did this along the way and actually built a physique that is <laughs> as aesthetically pleasing as I can instead of just packing on as much you know, mass as possible. Um, and then one big thing that I do love about bodybuilding, and this could be interpreted in a, in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of pros and cons to pushing yourself through a prep. And if you already have too much um, stress load overall, like allosteric load, if you want to refer to it with that term, you should not add even more on top of it with a prep because prep won't go well. And your life won't go well. It, it will actively take away from things. However, if you're at a point in time where perhaps you feel um, like you need to undergo a drastic amount of stress for a pretty extended period of time, preps are not short, in order to elevate your level of growth, if you're getting a little too comfortable, maybe maybe a little too serotonin driven, you want to just you know really go more towards that like you know, conquer, conquer, conquer thing for a little bit. Um, then I think, you know, prepping bodybuilding in general can be a great exploration and I'll stop talking in a second and maybe we'll just go back to John and we'll just keep going around in a circle. But there's, there's one quote that I did want to share during this. And this was, I'm sure he's probably not the first person to say it, but Jordan Peterson said this on a podcast. I was, it was a Tony Robbins podcast. He was answering questions for people and he was saying it's, it's a dark thought, but you need to experience the worst you can in order to be all you can be. Stress and the way that our bodies, our minds respond to it, if in healthy dosages, health, healthy dosages of stress, meaning things that we can adapt to rather than maladapt to, is what makes you a stronger person. So bodybuilding is a tool and people should use that as such instead of bodybuilding being their life even if everything in life revolves around body, it should still feed your overall life goals. It should still feed your generative drive. It should still feed you becoming your best self. And that's something that I've um, accepted now rather than trying to make bodybuilding my life simply because I liked bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, to kind of continue on with that, like, you know, I got into the sport probably very differently from most of you. Maybe some will relate, but probably not you or uh, Ben. But uh, I got into the sport because I always loved Ronnie Coleman and all of that, right? Like probably most of us did. But then I realized very quickly that I graduated high school at 155 pounds. And uh, I'm a small Asian kid, not uh, not African-American, if you guys are not watching. Um, <laughs> and it, that was just not in my genetic cards. 
So uh, I actually saw Jeremy Wendia, uh and Menzo Z came along and I was like, wow, okay, I can do this. And each year that I actually felt that I was getting closer, the division got bigger and bigger to the point where this week they actually put weight caps on the class because some of the guys are getting out of control. Um, and then COVID hit the year that I felt like I had my best off season and I probably battled with the most amount of mental fortitude, not because of like being locked down. I was actually lucky enough to be able to train, but we were driving an hour both ways to be able to get to the gym. And, um, you know, when you're in prep, like Jensen and Ben have probably touched on, there's times where food is low and you're doing a lot of cardio. And so at that point, we'd be at the gym for, you know, three hours after my hour cardio. And I remember at one point just starving and looking in the mirror and going, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Right? Like I looked good. I don't need to starve myself. Um, and so that's where most of my battles have come from, especially within the sport. Like I think, you know, comparing myself in a sport where we're ultimately compared, that's probably the biggest battle that most may struggle from um, within the sport is it's literally a sport of comparing yourself to others, but trying not to do that as much as possible, I guess is the best way to put that. How can I stand next to Ben? And, and, and let's be honest, we all train at MI40. It's probably the most egotistical gym in the area. Like every day I'm probably saying something to Ben. I'm like, geez, what am I doing wrong? Look at Derek. Like what is going on here? It's right? hard to look at him and not feel bad though. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I look at some of the other pros. I, I mean, and I, I moved down here and I was still planning on doing men's physique. And I would look at Alex Toplin and, and I will openly say that I would – pain gaze looking at him during my sets to just get pissed off and be like, why is he an Olympian? And I'm not, why is he where he is? And it's nothing negative against him or anyone else, but it's literally a sport of comparison. And I think that's where a lot of people can kind of drive themselves into a hole or drive their back against a wall where they feel the need to maybe do things a little bit more unhealthy um, or start spinning the wheels in their head per se um, and, and can kind of go down a, a dark rabbit hole really quick, I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It is a sport of comparison. That's how it works. It's a competition. Um, but I think social media definitely puts more of an emphasis on that. And uh, that kind of can be a little segue into something else. Um, you know, social media, what's it done for bodybuilding? It's brought us all together. It's connected us more. We know each other through it. You know, a lot of people I've become friends with, it started off as, uh, you know, an Instagram friendship, just DMs talking about shit. Like maybe we're both in prep and we're just venting to each other, stuff like that. And then eventually we meet each other in person and we've got, become best friends. Like that's what happened with Connor and I. Um, I knew him for probably two or three years before I actually met him. I, I met him for the, well, not for the first time. I, I had met him prior, but I see started seeing him regularly um, when he moved here. And before that, I'd only seen him one other time. And that's just how it goes a lot of times with, with uh, bodybuilding. So it can be good. You know, it brings people together. It bring it's 
actually the reason I have my relationship. <laughs> it started on Instagram. So it brings people together. That's the positive. Now, the negative is, you know, all of our shit is out there. It's like, hey, I look like this. And most of the time, nobody's going to post things they don't like about themselves. So it's all good stuff. It's like, whoa, look at this guy. Look at this Olympian. Like, he looks crazy all the time. There's never a time he doesn't look good. But you don't see him in person day to day. You don't know what he looks like walking around. You just see snapshots in time and that what, what he wants to put on his Instagram for you to see. So, you know, when you're in a sport that is all about comparisons and then you're using social media like that and seeing all these people's highlights and then you look at yourself and you see yourself every day in the mirror, you're like, what the fuck? What am I doing wrong? Why don't I look like that? Like, why does this guy look so much bigger than me? It, it, it can mess with you. And I think it's all, it's inevitable to a degree. You're going to feel the pressure of social media regardless, but to be aware of it and to be conscious of it and to sort of think about these things while you're consuming it um, can help you in the long run, just sort of have a better perspective of life and a better perspective of everybody else because nobody looks exactly like their Instagram. I mean, Sure, you know, we're those are real pictures of us, but nobody really is their Instagram account. It, nobody's truly all there and real. Um, so it is just sort of a, a snapshot, but kind of rambling now. Um, I lost my train of thought, but really quick though, how many yeah. people do you know that have like this is not bashing anyone? has a hundred thousand followers and does not have their shit together. Mm. I can probably name more than I know that actually. Has. <clears throat> That's a good point. Yeah. It, it, it makes everybody seem like they have their shit together. And most of us don't, <laughs> I mean, look, having your shit together is a broad statement, right? Like you could have, this part of your life together, but that part of your life is just a fucking mess. And that's okay. Nobody has their shit together constantly all the time. We're always dealing with things, little, you know, like uh, fucking detours in the, in the plan that we had for ourselves. It happens to everybody. Nobody has everything together. And um, the amount of followers that you have and your social media presence does not reflect how successful you are. Not always. Sometimes it can, but it, it doesn't always reflect <laughs> how successful you are or how much you have your shit together, or how, you know, shit like that. It's it's not real. It, it's, you know, it's not. Um, but when you get into bodybuilding, a great thing to do is to think about yourself, okay? It's very hard, but um, when you get into it, if you think about how can I make myself better, how can I push myself the most I ever have on this prep or look the best I've ever looked, if you focus on those things and focus a lot less on I look better than this person or that person, ultimately you're going to look your best anyway if you focus on those things. Like thinking of, hey, can I look better than him or, or him? It's never going to help you be better individually. So if you're always, if you're focusing all your energy towards yourself and, you know, self-improvement, then you could beat those guys that you're worried about. You know, but thinking about how am I going to beat him or him, that's not helping you actually beat them. <laughs> you got to focus inward to be able to do that. So I'll go to Jensen because I've rambled. That was really good. And the thing with the followers, too, it really just means you have a bigger audience with whom you need to portray 
useful things. I mean, you can also just put all your shit out there and I guess you could frame that as being real. Um, but it, it's an interesting balance, especially as coaches, because we have to balance being real and relatable with uh, promoting our body and our messages and such for sponsors, for example, um, for our own coaching marketing, for little, uh, you know, hits of dopamine that we're addicted to from getting likes and such on our social medias, even if we're aware of that or not most of the time. Um, so like my, my take on that is I just, I try to keep everything useful in at least one way or another. Um, but it's like, you know, where do you draw the line? It's like, how far of a reach can you say is like, all right, me putting up this, this silly thing will show that I'm relatable, which then will help people, you know, it'll, it'll draw people towards my more directly useful educational content. It's like, where do you draw those lines? It's like, how much effort should you put into the social media piece of everything? And what I've started to find is the less energy that I can put into the social media stuff while still having the uh, avenues of professional growth that I need, the better. So like, that's why, like, John, you have, you have um, Cam that handles basically all, all, you know, not all your content stuff, but he handles most of the recording of your stuff and the editing your stuff. I'm about to um, have a guy that I work with for the same thing. And it's, I think the more you can delegate out some of the stuff that makes you compare yourself to other people um, for him, possibly that's one, one way to go about allowing yourself to not uh, focus on others as much. And the other thing too is, we have all of these comparisons from other people in our head. So it kind of feels like it's something we should care about a ton and like it's coming from us. But if you can phrase those perceptions, I'm not even just talking about it, but if you can just phrase those perceptions of those people that you want to impress, all it down, et cetera, as outside of your head and you focus on pursuing what's actually good for your specific needs, desires, etc. plus, you know, your small circle or tribe, if you will, of people that you should, you know, go above and beyond for. Um, that's how I try to approach that. Um, I don't have any thoughts on any of that. Yeah, so like, and I think Ben touched on it really well. Um, I do want this to be educational more than just us saying what we've battled with. Um, so I will 100% say that the worst preps I've ever had is when I know every single competitor that is going to that show when I'm like oh okay this guy's gonna be there I have to look better than him he's got a great back so I need to focus on when all along like listen you're not growing in prep so it really doesn't matter um this guy's gonna be shredded and they all talk about it right like even in the pro lineups they'll say well this is gonna be a shredded lineup so you know, Andrew Jack needs to come and shred it. And we saw it like, yeah, he was peeled. It took away from his physique. So if you're focusing on everyone else, then you're not going to focus on what potentially could be helping you. And my best prep, which obviously I correlate to having won my pro card, um, Ciara's husband, Ciara's husband actually messaged me like two weeks out and was like, hey, man, I'm doing universe too. Uh, you look sick. And I just replied, thanks, and kept moving. And it was nothing personal, um, but solely more the fact that, like, 
anyone who was doing the show, any competitor, I had just muted them. I didn't unfollow anyone. I just didn't want to see them. So if I could give you any sort of advice in 2020, when I just missed my pro card by one spot, I actually had a coach at the time where he said at two weeks out, you need to delete Instagram off your phone. Um, which was good at the time. Um, uh, but I also think when you're doing endless amounts of cardio and stuff, you do want things to kind of distract you. So, um, there's that. It, the biggest thing is, you know, what Ben said is whatever you need to do to kind of not compare yourself to other others and ultimately focus on just bringing your best, um, in, in, in general, it doesn't have to be competing, right? Just focus on your timeline, focus on being better. And we talk about it going into the gym. If you can be 1% better every single day over the course of the year, that's 52% better. So if you're comparing it to someone else, of course, right? Like we talk about hyper responders, people who, you know, they just eat, they don't need insulin and they'll grow. And then you're like, man, I'm slamming 20 units of Humalog and I still get fat, whatever the case may be. We're all different. That's the beauty in this. And once you accept it, it's going to be easier. And just focusing on continuously being better every single day is going to make things so much easier than playing the like, I need to be where that individual is. Even if you don't have malicious content or um, thinking like, because I can tell you right now, when I was thinking of, it was nothing negative against Alex. I still, to this day, talk to Alex every single you know week. Um, I wish him the best in Mexico. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't want him to do well. I wanted to be where he was. And that can be a good thing. It can drive you to want what someone else has but not negatively want bad for that individual. Um, all right, guys. So we're, we're going to move into a slightly different topic, but it still relates now. Um, we're all going to individually share some personal mental health issues that we've dealt with. Talk about them in general, um, especially growing up uh, as a lot of this stuff starts in early childhood. Um, and that will we'll bleed it into bodybuilding and talk about how bodybuilding affected these things in positive and or negative ways. Um, so Ben, go tell your story because I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so first of all, anxiety is very common. Um, I think when people are dealing with it for the first time in their lives, they feel very secluded and it's like, wow, why do I feel like this? Like, this is terrible. No one else feels like this. Like it's a very isolating feeling. Um, but for anybody listening, if you're dealing with that kind of stuff, you're not alone. Like a lot of people deal with that. It's a very, very common thing. Um, it's just, you know, up until recently, nobody really wants to talk about it and it's kind of, you know, seen as weak, but it's really not. It's a very common thing that people deal with. Um, but anyway, with myself, I'll try to keep it as condensed as possible. We're going all the way back to the fifth grade. Um, that's kind of when I first noticed it. I really didn't like going to school at all. Um, you know, I'd be extremely nervous in the car on the way. My mom used to drive me to school. Um, and I'd be so nervous in the car. Like I remember like feeling like I had to shit <laughs> in the car on the way there. And then I'd like beg my mom the whole car ride. Like, can we just go home? Like, oh, I don't want to go. And then I, or I'd like come up with like being sick every morning. Like, oh, I feel, I think I, I think I, my stomach hurts. Like, I don't want to go. And I didn't know that that's what it was. I just, did, I knew I didn't like school, but that's the first looking back. That's when I first felt anxiety. Um, so that was very difficult. Talked to counselors, eventually figured it out. Once I got to middle school, wasn't too bad. Um, 
flash forward to um, or fast forward to freshman year in high school, um, that was really the biggest part of it because, you know, you go come from being in middle school where you're basically with a bunch of kids, right? You're, you're a kid still. And then you get to high school and it's like, oh, fuck, like that guy's got a beard. Like, holy shit, there's like 18 year olds in here. They're like adults and they drive and shit. And it's like, it's very overwhelming for somebody um, who just comes from middle school. <laughs> um, and my school, my high school was pretty big. Like there was about 15, 1600 kids in the school. So it's like, not just like, oh yeah, there's a couple of old kids. Like I'm walking around in a sea of tall people and I'm just like, what? Ben, really quick. Was this in Canada or the U.S.? No. So uh, I am Canadian, but I only lived there for like three years. This was in okay, gotcha. uh, West Virginia. Um, but yeah. So anyway, super freaky. And that's when it was like <laughs> the worst. It, the same feelings from fifth grade came back where it was like, I didn't want to go to school. I was terrified. I basically was like acting like a child. Um, crying to my mom, like, Hey, I can't go to school. I don't want to do it. And like, we lived two blocks up from the school. So I walked, um, and there'd be times where I would like skip, I'd walk back home or I'd have my mom come pick me up or something. And like, it was really, really difficult. And at that point it sort of manifested as social anxiety. So it was very, very hard for me to speak to people, even my close friends. Like I just felt really awkward in front of them just felt very, very uncomfortable in my own body. And I just really started to not be able to function as a student and human, really. I didn't enjoy anything. Nothing was funny. I was like, I remember like, this is the, the scariest thing that I remember from it is I felt more like myself when I was dreaming than when I was awake in like the actual world. When I was dreaming, the anxiety was gone. I like felt okay, felt normal. And then I woke up to this nightmare and I just didn't know how to deal with any of it. Um, but what happened was I got into football. I hadn't played football before and I dealt with that, the anxiety and all that freshman year, you know, for a lot of it. And then that winter I got into the weight room. This is when I first started lifting weights. That was the very first time. The winter of freshman year, when the football season was over already, I had a few friends that played football and they invited me to the weight room and I worked out with them. And I remember just feeling like this peace when I had like a pump and I was like lifting in this gym. I felt, you know, manly, like, right. Like I didn't feel weak. I felt, you know, kind of manly. And it was like, oh, this feels good. Like I have some confidence from this. And then that sort of transitioned into me playing football the next year, sophomore year. I wasn't very good. But, you know, it was something to do. It distracted me from being scared of everything. And it gave me confidence because, you know, I, I grew pretty quickly. I was very quickly stronger than a lot of people and bigger than a lot of people that played, the fo that played football with me. Um, I sucked at the sport, but I was really good in the weight room. So that was like my introduction into lifting. Um, and that helped me through high school, uh, lifting weights. And then when I was 17, I got into bodybuilding. So... I was like, well, I suck at football, but I'm pretty good in the gym. And then that sort of went into um, me competing as a bodybuilder. I did my first show at 17. Um, and then from there, that really is what held me together and made me into who I am. Um, you know, because I was able to develop confidence and, you know, be comfortable in my own skin and speak to people and not feel so weird about it because I actually had like some grit to me. Um, and then, you know, when it happened again in college, I, um, I had like a flare up of anxiety where like, I sort of got very narrow minded and in my head, um, 
you know, lifting weights was really what sort of helped me out of it. It helped me feel good about myself and, um, you know, just have confidence uh, because anxiety really does get rid of your confidence. It's, it makes you feel like a complete idiot, weak, like it just makes you feel terrible. Um, so anyway, bodybuilding can be very good for building confidence is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, but you know, you don't want to take it too far because if you're overly confident, then you don't see things that other people see and you're not aware of, of things that you should be aware of in society. Um, but I'm going to wrap that up there. There's probably some more things that'll come up in my head as we keep going. Um, but Jensen, I know you have a few topics about mental health and lifting weights, yada, yada, hand it over to you and have you share your story. All right. Yeah. So I put down a few, four key concepts that I think for me encompass not everything, but a, a decent bit of how bodybuilding has positively and negatively, or just not even either of those two words. It's just affected my life or I've, I've used it, whether I was aware of it or not. Um, so starting off super early as a kid, uh, my ears are the same size that they were when I was, you know, about half my height and a third of my body weight. So I looked like Dumbo. It's hilarious to look back now, but as a kid um, who wasn't, even as a, as a white kid, wasn't necessarily the majority in a school. And it was this, very much the same thing with where I lived. So I was actually white boy picked on a little bit, um, not painting that victim mentality there, but just saying how it was sometimes. Um, looked like Dumbo. There was that. I wasn't a very... Uh, cute kid for a lot of the years um and then also once people found out that my mom was gay there was that so bullying was pretty fucking rampant um so i had to adapt to that obviously i was like well i actually do like school despite all this <laughs> i actually i've always had a weird uh kink for learning i guess is one way to put it but um I would suppress things down so that I could still focus on the learning. So I could still focus on whatever school or sorry, whatever sport I was doing after school at that point, obviously swimming eventually became the main one because that's what I ended up being best at. I was very bad at soccer and baseball. Um, but it started off with me just wanting to have even working out before I was lifting weights or anything, like from a kind of like a weirdly young age, I was already doing like push ups and some running and stuff like that when I was like eight or nine. Um, the other part too is like, when you're walking around on a speedo on the pool deck all the time, whether it's just in the summer when you're swimming or when you get more serious and it's 24 seven, um, you want to look good. It's kind of like being on stage, like a bodybuilding stage 24 seven, except it's not people's, you know, job and audience to look at you. It's just, you're, you're there, but it's, they're still going to look at you. Right. Um, and then you get up on the block and that's kind of like being on stage for a second. So there was a lot of reasons that I, I was pushed to care about my appearance. I wanted to make up for the rest of my appearance with my body um, and I also wanted to have power over bullies. Um, and I took that idea really far um, and it, it developed into some aspect of anger issues. But if you're holding everything down so that you can still get through the learning and get through the sports and everything, I mean, that's going to manifest somehow, right? Um, past, past that very early stage. Um, all right, so we're going to get deep here for a sec. I'm not going to get too, too into it um, because my parents do listen to this and I don't, I don't want them to... Uh, have a, have a bad day or a few bad days thinking back on the darkest aspects of my life. But um, I, I had an acute trauma towards the beginning of college. And I'll just say it definitely made me feel like I had no control over my body whatsoever. Um, so obviously I had to find some way to get that back. And 
body going to help me do that? Um, but because it saved my life and because I didn't know what I wanted to do after college, um, it became a bit of a distraction from focusing on the other aspects of my mentality that allowed me to be in control of myself. Um, so now that life is a lot less stressful than it's ever been for the past, um, kind of the last, you know, since I met Kara last two and a half ish years, but especially last year or so since we moved here, since I found um, you guys, you know, just a very high caliber circle of people to work with. Um, I just developed a lot more self-awareness and that and understanding how mental health in general works and trying to apply it to myself has been perhaps more of a journey with that. So in that sense, bodybuilding held me back from developing myself, but Prior to that, it, it genuinely was the only thing um, keeping me alive. So um, there's there's that. <laughs> um, also, bodybuilding is going to expose you to a lot of very, very masculine men um, and being raised primarily by um, lesbians. They aren't going to know how to raise up a boy who has naturally already got a lot of very highly masculine traits, but has no idea how to develop them. So I definitely gathered a lot of um, what someone would call to toxic masculine uh, features of my persona um, and how I, how I treated people um, and definitely how I treated myself and how I portrayed myself online and such. Um, Cause I just hadn't figured all that shit out, but through bodybuilding um, I was able to have certain idols that were, were good and directed me towards this route of further self-development because one thing that I do like about how the bodybuilding sphere is going is they are pushing people to delve into mental health more. Um, it, it is pushing people towards a general sense of self-betterment. It is acknowledging that bodybuilding can be used in a healthy way, uh, but it can also not be. And people having to dissect their own relationship with bodybuilding is probably going to lead them to dissect more of their life in general. Um, so that was kind of disorganized and definitely a lot of different levels of meaningfulness there. Um, but I think that's, I mean, do you guys have any quick questions for me on any of that before I pass it over to John? I feel like I do, not at the surface of my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll write it down if I think of something. Perfect. Then John, you can, you can go ahead. I actually want to ask you, so like in terms of the bullying, because we all probably experienced that at different levels. Um, so I guess for both of you, uh, I know my bullying came from just being racial jokes, right? And that carried over into later parts of my life where even now it's probably taken me half of my life to be able to hear racial jokes um, and it not necessarily like, be i guess like derogatory right like i can make racial jokes now and be like oh i'm asian i got a small dick right and it's not like a, a, a like a i'm not like a bull and see red anymore yeah. right whereas a kid those were the things that i would experience where it was like you know from probably like third grade all the way up to in high school was in high school some of my best friends then on the hockey team that I would play on, um, they would make jokes and, but I didn't realize they were making jokes, expecting me to make jokes back at them. 
And I actually developed my and, and became best friends with these people. Um, so like little back, I, I, I played up in hockey because I don't want to say that I was good because if I was good, I wouldn't be here. Um, but I was better for my age is the best way to put it. And none of that had to do with my skill set. It had to do with my parents investing a lot of money into private lessons and private tutoring for me to be ahead of where I was. So um, if you're not aware, I'm born in 93. My freshman year of high school, my captain on my team was born in 88. Wow. Okay. So he was roughly five years older than me. This is a grown man who would go and have beers with the coach after the game. <laughs> right. And like he had come back from living on his own and like could have already been a junior in college, mind you. <laughs> so um, the kids that I ended up becoming relatively, you know, like I said, calling my best friends, um, they were born in 90, 91, 89, and they would make jokes, but not actually making fun of me. Like they're making fun, but it's like, I'm busting your balls. I'm giving you shit. And finally one day, instead of just walking back and we're walking away from them, I snapped and I was like, dude, you guys are three years older than me and you're playing on the same team. You guys fucking suck. You're going nowhere, blah, blah, blah. Like went off in this long rant, right? And finally, like, as I'm like, finally getting it all out, like, it's like this, it's been building up for the last four weeks, they just start clapping. And they're like, finally, we were waiting. When were you gonna like, you know, go back at us? And I was like, what are you talking about? They were like, dude, we're just joking around. Like, you know, it's we're not like, that's the only thing we have. You don't say anything. So we don't know anything about you. We couldn't be like, oh, you talk funny or anything, because you don't talk to us. Um, and then eventually, that was where like, that's and you guys said something in the group chat. Um, and I think Andre even said one time, he was like, John, the man of very few words. And it's like, no, I just don't talk to people that I don't care for. Um, so if I'm giving you shit every time I see you, that's like my form of expression of like, I generally like you. So what did that, did, what was your guys' form of bullying? How did that carry over into your life? Are you carrying any of those traits now um, or anything like that? Let, let you go first, Jesse. Go ahead. I mean, my, um, I would say it was almost, it became a healthy coping mechanism. And now it's just something that people do tend to like about me. I think I, I make fun of myself brutally um, because I realized if you can make fun of yourself, because you should know yourself better than anyone else, except maybe your partner in some ways, maybe in some ways, if you can make fun of yourself better than the bullies, they have no power over you anymore because you've already said it. And I, uh, I mean, also too, bullies can break you down to the point where you do end up disliking yourself. So you start telling yourself even worse stuff than what the bullies say. Um, or you've just heard it so many times that you become numb to it. So eventually I just got over it and at some point in life, you realize that true bullying, not busting your balls, um, it never really comes from someone that's in an overall a more successful position than you um, or overall a just more um, simultaneously powerful and empathetic person. Um, people who are have a lot of power over their lives and people who care for other people don't do that shit they would give you advice or like John said, he just doesn't talk to anyone that's not like worth talking to. Um, so that, that's how that eventually evolved. 
Um, but for me, it was, it was mostly verbal. It was mostly verbal stuff. And I mean, just eventually you've got to grow up and realize that words, words can't hurt you if you don't give them power to. Um, and that, that developed into this, you know, unique personality I have that is very offensive to some people where I say exactly what I'm thinking. I use more or less whatever words I want to, to explain it, because to me, that is part of me speaking my truth. And I don't really care about the negative opinions about that part of a personality. Um, unless I like, if someone attacks something directly that I said, okay, then I need to address that. Cause maybe I said something in a way that wasn't as useful as it actually could have been, or it came across a lot different than I meant it to. But if I say something that I do really think is um, my truth and has broad application and, and perhaps I've run it by some of the people in my circle um, and it does prove to be useful, then why would, why would I care about what a loser, for lack of a better term, has to say? So just most most um, bullies growing up, um, a lot of them are in prison now or they just work, you know, minimum wage jobs. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there. But it's just none of them turned out well in life. So, you know, in the long scheme of things, it's like I won, they lost. Um Get fucked. <laughs> Get fucked. I hope you hear this. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you're right. Nobody ever really bullies or makes fun of somebody because they have it all together or they're better than you. Most of the time, they're either jealous or they're just very insecure. So once you realize that um, negative comments online or negative you know, phrases or whatever that you hear day to day, they don't really hurt you as much. Cause you know, wherever it's coming from, it's not from a good place. If anything, like I personally, I don't feel bad for bullies, but if anything, feel bad for them because they're not happy. Right. They're not happy. And the best thing that they can do with their lives is make fun of you. So why would you really care what that person has to say? You know, but as a kid, you don't know that yet, but hopefully maybe we're helping somebody realize that right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I never really dealt with bullying too much, like aside from the normal amount that you do going through public school. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really nothing. I'm not Asian. I don't have big ears. So <laughs> I didn't really have anything that somebody could make fun of me for. So it was not too bad. But I was shy and um, I still am to a degree, like probably nobody notices it, but I'm a little introverted. Um and, you know, social conversations, even still for me today, are, are sometimes hard. It just depends on the mood I'm in um, and how, you know, good I'm feeling about myself that day. Um, but, yeah, like my friends, quote unquote, um, used to kind of pick on me for being shy. Um, and they'd sort of make me feel bad for, you know, not because, you know, when you're in a group of guys in high school, you're all making fun of each other and shit like that. It's just like poking fun. But I never really got that <laughs> I, I i wasn't really good at being like hey fuck you you got weird looking eyebrows like i i never really did that because i just didn't i guess maybe it was a lack of confidence i didn't really feel strong enough to make fun of somebody um so i always took it seriously right like i didn't know how, like if somebody made fun of me for i don't fucking know for having small legs or like whatever 
Like I just, I took it personally. It wasn't really like, oh, ha, that's funny. <laughs> you suck too. Like I just didn't really know how to do that. So that I guess for me was a bit of bullying and they took advantage of that too. It wasn't just like, oh, you got funny eyebrows. Like they kind of leaned into me a little bit because they knew that I couldn't take it and I didn't like it. And they took advantage of that. And, you know, I think if your friends, quote unquote, know that about you and know that you're sensitive to things like that and they still try to expose you and make fun of you, they're not really your friends. Um, <laughs> you know, friends don't make fun of your insecurities. They don't expose them and they, they don't do that. So I thought they were my friends and they were sometimes. That's not to say that they're bad people. Like, I, I don't know, maybe they are listening to this. Um, but yeah, like true friends don't really make fun of you like that. So if you find yourself in that situation, maybe just get rid of that person because it's not really going to help you. But Jensen, what's up? I was just going to say one, one thing that can help people listening to this, uh, perhaps decipher between what is a goodwilled attempt by a friend to provide a critique to you and someone that is just projecting their own issue with something um, by accusing you of something or stating something very obvious about you that you may not happen to like is if they speak to you directly about it um, calmly or if they speak to you publicly and or erratically about it. Um, so for example, you see something on Instagram that's really, really, really freaking bad, but you know that person personally and you don't think you really need to like put it out there to shame them publicly in order for them to like get it, just reach out to them individually rather than throwing a bunch of shit online that you may not even know the full context of. So that's just one, one example of how you can determine if something was goodwilled or potentially ill-willed or just the person, maybe not ill-willed, but was just saying it because they like had to get it out because they're not in control of their own shit. Yeah, normally if somebody's uh, criticizing you in a group or publicly, probably not good. <laughs> They're probably trying to make fun of you and, and make you embarrassed or, you know, They're expose to your insecurities. It's not, it's not normally a positive thing if that's the situation. They're trying to use it for LOL. Um, yeah, so like uh, that kind of carried over for an extended period of time until like I, and, and we talked about this like, so in that period, I saw my friend um, <laughs> and he had 10 pound dumbbells and all summer he had been doing push-ups and curls. And I saw him and I came out to my mom and I was like, Dylan is huge. You got to ask his dad what he's been doing. And so starting that summer, I joined a gym and all of my confidence was built in the gym. Any type of ego that I have now, any type of uh, I don't want to say self-worth because I've grown past that now where like, you know, I, I understand my self-worth, um, but I didn't have a lot of confidence. And so that's where the gym helped me. And I think that could be the beauty in the gym for sure. Um, so it's, it's, there's a very fine line. I don't know. Of the gym can add value, but it can also take away value. And I would say a lot of that probably has to do with what Ben talked about in terms of social media and how much th that plays a role. Um, because I don't think that we had, and I just really don't know. Um, but I would say like the stigma and the 
unfortunate life taking that we've seen within pro bodybuilding has happened a bit more now with the uprise of social media. Um, now, again, I'm the oldest one in the podcast. I haven't done my research, so I don't know. Um, I can't comment on in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s of you know bodybuilders that maybe had taken their lives. Um, but I would definitely say that it's probably a bit more prominent now with how much comparison comes with that. So yeah. If if you make your whole life or perception of self, probably specifically bodybuilding related and you're constantly comparing yourself to people that are better than you i mean just think logically how the hell are you ever going to feel satisfied ever you will never yeah yeah, yeah that, that kind of ties into what i wrote down um yeah it, you know if you have nothing and you're like wow i'm not very confident i'm not good at anything like it's it's great in that situation because it gives you confidence gives you something to focus on something productive you're making your health your body healthier everything like that but once you dig yourself out of that hole, you develop the confidence, you have something to focus on, you should be looking for a societal contribution. Big words there. But, you know, if you're lifting weights and that's all you do and you don't contribute to your society, you don't help anybody, all you do is think about yourself, you're going to be a very miserable person. I strongly believe that, you know, the more people that you can help, the more people that you can affect, the better you're going to feel about yourself as well while in turn helping other people. So, you know, I think the most miserable people in the world only think about themselves. And that's a very lonely, dark path to go down. You might be really good at something. You might, um, you know, bench 500 pounds, 600 pounds, become Mr. Olympia, whatever. But if you're doing it alone and you're just sort of always thinking about yourself, when you don't reach this um, goal that you've had, Maybe it's like something that you can never achieve, or maybe it's something that like you got an injury and now you can't get it. If you don't get to that thing that you've been thinking about the whole time, and that's all you've ever cared about, you're going to fall apart. And like, you have nothing then. you know, if your entire personality and persona is the gym, what happens when you get an injury or when you can't compete anymore? or you're forced to do other things, like you're going to have a huge reality check where it's like, what the fuck do I do with my life now? So I definitely encourage people to get in the gym and, to, you know, build muscle and to focus on things like that. But if that is all you do, you're doing it wrong. You need to think about how you can help other people, where you can bring your life or, you know, other areas that you can improve in your life. You don't just need to get bigger and stronger. There's many other things that you can focus on. So it can be a good stepping stone to creating a uh, higher functioning person. But if that's the only thing you do, it's a very dark and lonely path and ultimately is not going to give you self-fulfillment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any closing <laughs> thoughts or anything like that that we want to share with people, tell people um, a takeaway maybe from the pod today? Everything is a tool. Bodybuilding is a tool. The habits that you push yourself to enact are a tool. My dick is a tool. What's that? I said my dick is a tool. Dick is a tool. Ben's dick is a tool. <laughs> Who you surround yourself with is a tool. Uh, ben is a tool. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> everything is something that you can leverage um, towards a 
good or positive end, but it's really on you to be incredibly self-aware of what you are truly seeking. So everything kind of comes down to that. If you actually are honest with yourself about what you're seeking, then consciously and subconsciously, you're going to align your habits to actually push for those better. Bodybuilding is no different than that. Um, some people I think get into this really early and it's their only sense of confidence, which we all kind of said there's some element, um, in, in one way or another of that with us. And if you don't, um, if you don't find some other ways to build that up, then you're not actually, you're not adding responsibilities. Basically like Dan was saying, you want to help other people. You want to contribute to society. If you're not adding other responsibilities, then when you get to the point where you cannot, um, grow in your, your bodybuilding responsibility, shit's going to go wrong. Shit will absolutely go wrong. Like when you guys said with injuries that happened to me during COVID, so that wasn't great. COVID itself couldn't do much during that. So just for one easy example that a lot of us went through the whole COVID situation, bodybuilders weren't immune to the mass depression that spread during that time. Bodybuilders weren't immune to the mass anxiety that happened during that time. Why? Because carrying a ton of muscle mass doesn't actually help with that. It's the journey, if you're doing this in a right way, that is going to help you with that. Anyone else got anything for the end? Yeah, um, I think just to summarize, uh, you know, you're not alone if you're dealing with mental struggles like that. Many people deal with it. Um, speak up if you're feeling, you know, either depressed or anxious or just unsure of yourself. Speak up to a trusted individual whomever that may be for you. Um, you don't have to deal with these things alone because, you know, a lot of times you feel like you have to, but you don't, you definitely can reach out for help, especially now. I, I like the way things are going uh, as a whole society. It's becoming more of the norm to speak up for things like that. Um, and then maybe even we could include in like a description of like a suicide hotline thing. Um, I was, I was going to say um, betterhelp.com is the one that's tossed yeah a lot and i have had success with clients using that so there's there's one but thank you thank you for saying that ben that was very important and i'm not embarrassed we didn't say that earlier so oh, no. good, good gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. um yeah i mean i don't know i i i really don't have much to say i would just <laughs> I think, I think we can cover like everything you possibly can while still being applicable to anyone that isn't specifically us. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, I would say probably the biggest thing is um, everyone talks about being like an extremist. If you're probably being an extremist, that means that other areas are lacking. So if you're, all in on bodybuilding, then you can't do everything else that the both of you said, right? So I, I would say, I guess, ride the midline, right? Find the beauty in what you're wanting. But if you start pushing it all towards social media, then you're going to have problems. If you start, you know, leaning all your self-worth into the gym, you're going to have problems. And so it's it's a it's a combination of everything. And I wish that's probably something I would have learned a bit earlier um, because I can tell you right now, I've done the preps where I was working the front desk at a gold gym and asking my mom to pay my entry fee to shows. Um, so other shit matters. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I'm going to stop us now, but thank you guys.